The world is less than a decade from the 2030 target for delivering on the Sustainable Development Goals. The SDGs are complex. They span all sectors and touch on some of the most profound challenges facing humanity, like ending poverty in all its forms and reducing inequality. What does it really mean to assess the results of work on this massive agenda? We'll explore that question in this episode of What Have We Learned? The Evaluation Podcast. I'm Brenda Barbour, your host from the World Bank Group's Independent Evaluation Arm, IEG. Welcome. Today we'll be talking to Estelle Raimondo, a senior evaluator with IEG. She has been looking at evaluation and results systems for many years and is grappling with how to find better methods to measure the results of complex interventions. She is the co-author of the book, Dealing with Complexity in Development Evaluation. Welcome, Estelle. Hi, Brenda. Great to be here. Let's begin at the beginning. Why does results measurement matter? Great question. So results measurement matters because without that, we don't really know where we're going. And we don't really know if what we've tried, what we've experimented with has worked or not worked and why. So without that, we would be navigating without a map, basically. And in results measurement, results-based management has been a big pillar of this system. Why should we change? Results-based management has been indeed an anchor of how we go about really thinking through what we are doing, how it's working, how we learn from it, and how we keep ourselves accountable. It has a long history. It's really started in the early 2000s. And since then, the world has changed quite a lot and development has changed a lot. There are, I would say, two main reasons for why RBM needs to evolve. The first is that we don't pursue the same goals, the same objectives as when RBM was born. RBM came to fruition in the early 2000s in the era of the Millennial Development Goals, the MDGs, where what we were pursuing wasn't easy, but was fairly clear. The objectives were measurable. They were mostly being achieved within specific sectors, and it was doable to track whether we were making progress towards them. Today, we are in the era of the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, and these goals look very different from the MDGs. They are complex. They require interventions that go beyond one sector, that require coordination, multi-sectoral approaches. The second main reason, I would say, is that we've also evolved a lot um, in how we pursue these goals, the pathways we take to achieve them. In the era of the MDGs and even before that, the model was primarily the project. It was a very well-defined entity with clear boundaries. It was uh, a lot revolving around financing, clear outputs or services, which we were providing in a kind of direct manner to our clients. Today, This remains a model and it hasn't disappeared. It's still very important in a certain sector and certain outcome we are pursuing. But for the most part, we are taking more indirect pathways. We are helping our clients and the development organizations are really engaging into 
more institution building, capacity building, trying to support uh, government entities and private sector in being able to themselves deliver services and outputs. So the nature of support that development agencies provide has changed. But how about the systems in place to measure the results of this support? Have our ways of assessing results adapted? So... I think there has been incremental change uh, in results measurements, but not to the magnitude that we need it uh, to in order to really rise up to the challenge of informing pretty complex stuff in some ways. I would say we still have quite a lot of blind spots around these indirect pathways. We know very little about the effect of knowledge work, capacity building. We know even less about the combination of multiple approaches over a pretty long period of time. Our results systems remain quite instrument specific, so they are still designed around project as the main unit of analysis. They are still, you know, trying to understand change in a fairly short time span and a time span that's directed by administrative timeline. So, you know, when a project ends, when a country strategy ends, not necessarily the timeline of change patterns themselves. You know, it might take two, three country strategy uh, periods to make progress on a goal like education quality. And we would want to know across these periods whether things are going well, whether we've adjusted, etc., etc. The third blind spot, I would say, is that most of our systems, not only the World Bank, but donors and, and development actors in general, has a bias towards what can be quantified easily and what can be measured easily. And so we retain quite a lot of knowledge gaps around key interventions that don't lend themselves to measurement. So let's talk a little bit about these indirect pathways, because I think Getting governments to improve their functioning is critically important for all the other work we're doing to help achieve the outcomes. So how do you measure the results of these indirect pathways, of the work on these indirect pathways? Yeah, that's that's a tricky task, especially given the type of systems we currently have in place, which are a little bit inadequate to do that. Just to give you a simple example, because what I've talked about might be a little bit abstract, in the era of the MDG, we were pursuing access to education for all. In the era of the SDG, we are pursuing learning outcomes and education quality. And to you know, put students in the classroom and have teachers teach them and building schools is not easy and is not easy in certain settings, especially fragile states. But it's, there is a fairly clear path of a logic model will grasp with this, this particular outcome and measuring you know, number of, ch of children attending school, number of teachers who show up is doable and these indicators are good proxy for the goals that we are uh, trying to uh, achieve. On the other hand, education quality is a very different goal and it requires a lot more coordination between different actors, uh, 
measuring learning is doable, but is itself more difficult. It is more costly because it requires going beyond administrative system. It requires understanding, you know, the behavioral side, but also the institutional barriers, whether there are good systems for teacher training and what these systems need to be well-funded, to be efficient. So as you can see, it becomes much more complex and measuring will, will need to adjust. Well, let me ask two questions because you raise some interesting points. So I get that measuring the number of teachers trained is a lot easier than measuring learning outcomes. But one of the things you mentioned is that for these more complex development goals, multiple actors will have to contribute to achieving the outcome. So then how do you envision those systems working across multiple development actors? Yeah, that's an important point. I would say that's one area uh, where we've actually maybe gone backwards. We had uh, a big effort around the time of the 2008 Paris Agreement, where the concept of mutual accountability uh, for development outcomes came to fruition, and the idea of setting up evaluation systems and measurement systems that would serve the clients primarily and not the donors. So where the goal was to set up a, a system that would be able to measure outcome, and the subsidiary question was who was contributing. But we've actually not really delivered on that, and we've fallen back into a model where each agency wants to attribute uh, the change to their own effort. But then as a result, we have a much more fragmented system. So in order to really understand whether change has taken place, whether the trend on outcome is positive or not, and then understand how each contributes, we almost have to kind of set the system on its head and, and change quite fundamentally the, the way we organize it. And we need to embrace this concept of contribution is enough rather than trying to really establish whether a particular change can be attributed to a particular actor, which when we think in terms of complex system is not even a relevant question in some ways. Thank you. So I'll come back to that second part. But first, I want to hear more about setting the system on its head. How do we need to set the system on its head? So I would say that our first objective as you know, development actors who are trying to support a particular government or, or set of actors in countries to achieve outcomes that matter for them, like country outcomes, we need to think about whether they have the systems to measure progress on their outcome. And so that means, you know, thinking about whether they have the right health measurement system, education measurement system, they can have enough capacity to conduct evaluations of their own development programs uh, and have only also very importantly the capacity to use the data to make decision and inform their their pathway only after that we can worry we should worry about whether our own contribution you know how we learn from our own contribution and so if we had strong country systems then it would be much 
easier for each agency to determine whether they've contributed, how they can learn from their own, you know, comparative advantage and niche. And so trying to have, for instance, a system that tells you exactly what part of this education quality improvement in I'm picking a country in Zambia can be attributed to the bank versus to, you know, the other bilateral donors versus this particular foundation is not really a helpful construct. If you are trying to think about a collective endeavor to improve education quality and then seek to understand whether on the whole we're making progress and finally understand, you know, in a much more qualitative way, I would say, what has been the specific contribution of a particular entity, this is where I think we we need to go so that the knowledge we generate with our result systems is actually useful to the people implementing programs. And utility to different actors mean different features. Um, I would say it's useful maybe to step in the shoes of, of people that haven't been in. So if I were, you know, a country team trying to deliver a country program, What I would want from a results system is to give me feedback both in the short term and in the long term. So in the short term, it would be a system that can tell me if I'm on track and if there is progress towards the outcomes that I am pursuing and whether, you know, I'm meeting my goals along the way, which is a much more rapid set of feedback than we have now. The second thing is I would want a results system to help me step back, look back to inform the future. And that means having moments where I can reflect on my strategy. You know, over the past five, six, seven years, we've tried this particular strategy to achieve an outcome, to improve education quality. Has it really been the right pathway? So in a perfect world, I think what I hear you saying is that the country system would gather the data and have the capacity to not only allow the country officials to make decisions, but maybe also to feed the result systems of the various other development actors that are working in that country. Have you seen that be the case? Absolutely. That's that's the model that I think we should uh, aim towards. I would say it's the case in some specific sector, in specific countries that already have managed to build a really good da data repository, something that can collect data frequently. And I would say instruments like the program for results, for instance, that the World Bank Group is now using quite often, is geared towards doing that. So you would say see that the monitoring and evaluation framework of a P4R really tries to rely on government data and then tease out, you know, a contribution story based on these specific data that don't necessarily need to be collected for these particular interventions, but are data that are routinely collected by the government. So I would say, by and large, this is still not the norm, but they are uh, good practices, and I think we should continue to, to aim for that. The vision is that 
data can be fed and evaluation information can be fed at a time when the decision needs to be made. So when there is a major reform attempt, the, the decision makers would want to know what has been tried out before, how has it worked, if there were some challenges, why was it the case, what can I learn from this experience? And so having evaluation that can speak to that reform rather than to whether a particular donor has hit uh, their targets would be much more informative. Thank you. So we can't talk about development without talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, this pandemic has, has been such a sad reminder of how quickly context can change. And so many countries are facing more uncertainty than ever now. So how can the results measurement system address that kind of huge uncertainty? The word uncertainty is really uh, key, and I think that's where, again, we need a big paradigm shift in results measurement because COVID, I think, has you know expanded our awareness of uncertainty. But even without COVID, we operate in certain environments where uncertainty and risk mitigation is the day-to-day. A plan can be really nice and drafted and the next day it will not uh, be relevant at all. And so some of our more rigid uh, result systems that almost assume that in any context you can measure and in any context you can achieve specific uh, indicators need to embrace the fact that this is not True. So in fragile states, for instance, or even in some particular sectors where we're doing something completely new and, you know, they can be turnarounds in agencies, etc. Uncertainty is there. With COVID, I would say we've reached an almost different kind of uncertainty where there are more unknown unknowns than known knowns or any of the other categories. And so here the key for results uh, measurement is to be again much more attuned to experimentation, to fast data collection and a lot of adjustments along the way and maybe not trying to forecast too far or to to have really clear I go back to this issue of targets because it's it can be kind of the instrument that helps us measure and I would say that being close to operation is even more important in in those times of where navigation by judgment is is the key uh, just to cite a good friend Dan Onig. The other thing I would mention is this idea of iteration because for the goals that we are pursuing for the most part we don't have a blueprint there is no recipe and even if something has worked many times in different places it's not sure that it will work in this particular context so you know evaluation systems or result systems that can embrace that and and embed feedback loops both for the teams implementing and the government who might be interested in scaling up or understanding whether something can be replicated is very important as well. Yes, more adaptive management. But now I'm going to take you to the other side and say, donors still want to know, is their money well spent? They still want to know, is my investment having impact? So how do we balance that need? I I would say 
and maybe I'm a lone voice on this, but this is not antithetical in some ways. I, I think, again, that's why I, I went at the beginning when we started talking, I mentioned this concept of mutual accountability. I would say, you know, performance auditing and safeguards on, on efficiency of spending and making sure that what we, what we fund um, is going in the right place is very, very important. But what we expect from result systems is not that. Evaluation systems are you know, distinct from audit systems and they are supposed to answer different kinds of questions, which in my opinion should be more around, are we working on relevant and the most important challenges that uh, these countries are facing? Are we doing it in a way that uh, ensures me that you're in, we are informed by the most updated evidence? Have we embedded learning and you know monitoring and course correction processes and behaviors in what we are doing? And are we, you know, being very open about our successes and our failures. And the system that is geared towards hitting targets, meeting uh, 100% and indicators does not necessarily deliver that accountability in some ways. So are you advocating throwing out indicators and targets altogether? Not, not at all. No, but I can see that, you know, my discourse can, can, could lead us into this conclusion. No, I, I really think that indicators and targets have their place. Just to give you other examples, there are specific sectors or specific outcomes where, you know, measurable indicators are very, very good proxy as to whether we've, we've actually succeeded. I'm not an expert in energy, but my colleagues who are keep telling me that energy access, energy efficiency, if we are very well measured and can really tell us uh, whether we've achieved those more country outcomes. Other sectors and other contexts where there is much more instability or what we can quantify is not a good proxy for whether we've succeeded, then, you know, need to be enriched by other things than and the indicators. And so, again, institutional reform, capacity building, the governance areas that are so cross-cutting to so many things we do. Um, I have a, a colleague who keeps saying, even in the water sector, you know, we, we don't build the pipes, we build the systems that build the pipes. And so that is much uh, more difficult to quantify with simple indicators. And there we need to expand that toolkit and that, that you know, measurement framework beyond metrics. So to wrap up, I would say more opportunities to collect fast data and get feedback, data that can be you know, quantitative or qualitative, more capacity to stop and go, so stop and reflect on what the data tells us, be willing to change plan quite quickly, and keeping our eyes on the ultimate outcomes, but with an, the understanding that the path is not going to be straight and it might be much more two steps back and one step forward. And then this evaluation needs to be much more embedded in that life uh, daily routine of, of implementing programs and, and projects. Many thanks, Estelle, for laying out how monitoring and evaluation systems can better serve international development. 
Check out her report that delves deeper into how those working in development can better learn from experience. It's IEG evaluation of the World Bank Group outcome orientation at the country level. Thank you for listening to What Have We Learned, the evaluation podcast brought to you by the World Bank Group's independent evaluation arm, IEG. What did you think of the episode? What would you like to hear independent evaluators unpack about lessons in global development? Let us know by going to ieg.worldbankgroup.org contact.